Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> and Ryan. Fucking truly hard seltzer. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed for myself. Ryan operating out of a cave today with the Muhajuddin. <laughs> Sorry. And his, just like in an his echo. Ant- <laughs> in his Antifa like mountain base, like that Osama bin Laden cut out. I got my uh, ten thousand Soros bucks in my Soros Kalishnikovs. Now I'm on the run. Dude. Yeah, I just I just got in my uh, my concrete milkshake mix, ready to <laughs> ready 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 to throw that on some authorities and have them freeze up like a Looney Tunes cartoon. I installed my cyanide capsule earlier in my molar, but it gave me a headache, so I took it out. Oh man. I need to get me one of those. One of these days, I need to get, like, the cadence right of Patrick Stewart when he introduces salt and pepper, which John Mulaney talks about, where he... And I've actually seen this episode of SNL, and he's like, now it's salt and pepper! (laughs) (laughs) I was just watching Deep Space Nine. That was a freaking Star Trek, man. I miss Star Trek. We need it now more than ever. I, um, I'm, I'm proud to say that I've never actually watched Star Trek, any of them, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Next Gen, none of them. You should start with Next Generation. It should all still be on It's on um, Netflix still, right? Well, listen, you don't no. understand. My, my grandfather, when I was growing up, loved Star Trek. He had VHSs of all the it's Next on, Generation series so that when you lined them up end to end, it was the Starship Enterprise picture. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've seen that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So he was a fucking Trekkie junkie, and I was just kind of sit there and be like, this isn't cool, though. This is kind of dumb. Yeah, so, I, so like, taking away the idea that I do anything because it's cool, uh, the uh, <laughs> Star Trek's on CBS All Access, and uh, it's fantastic. It's just, it's got a certain cadence to it that's, like, kind of conducive to sci-fi, so it's, it's kind of, like, chill, but there's action happening at the same time. It's, it's very very fun to like have on in the background but there, there's also very, an element of it where it's like if you weren't there for it then you know as a kid like it might be hard yeah. to get into as an adult unless you're already yeah. into sci-fi no i was a star wars kid i tried star trek like like i said my my grandfather used to watch it and i was like no this, this isn't it dude Oof. yeah I mean, I'm i'm such a star wars degenerate that i'm watching clone wars but yeah <laughs> Ugh. All right. So, uh, speaking of things we've been historically present for, <laughs> um, so today like, we're uh, we're living history right now. So yeah, yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about something related to that, and that is the United Daughters of the Confederacy. And the reason why they're related to all this is not just because they're they're sort of headquarters. In, in Richmond got got uh, set on fire. Um, it, it's also because they're one of the reasons why there are like Confederate statues all over the United States, and also um, schools are named after Confederate generals. Mm-hmm. Um, which is streets. Which is Arts. which is one of the weird things that makes a lot of sense when people talk about it. Is like why do we consider um, Robert E. Lee? one of the, the quote-unquote great American generals, when his career, when he fought for war, the United States government, was very lackluster. 
Um, and we don't talk about, say, like Jefferson Davis and the pantheon of like great American presidents, which even if he was talked about in terms of American presidents, he'd probably be down towards the bottom because he was just a very bad leader. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it, it, it's likely he probably would not have been reelected if, if he had lasted as long because the, the Confederate presidency was a, was a six-year term as opposed to a four-year term. Um, so, so it never even came like time for them to even consider a, a national election. Right. Because how long did the Civil War last? It lasted from 1861 to 1865, so about four years. Okay. <clears throat> so right around the time A1 steak sauce was invented. <laughs> yes. It was actually it was actually created for the troops. Wait, is that for real, or is that you just joshing? <laughs> I'm joshing you. Oh, my Jonathan A one using a secret combination of There's spices. Some, you never you never saw the Ken Burns history of the Civil War. There was a loving tale told by a soldier to his wife back in dearest Virginia. The steak they sent us today was salted, <laughs> disgusting, and without flavor. But the sauce you sent us was A1. We need, we need like, some, some like, sad, like, low violin music yeah. behind there. My, my dearest Virginia, time at the front has been difficult on us all, but I believe in time I shall return to you. The provisions they have given us, though, are without taste and lackluster. It is through the use of the sauce you sent me, the sauce of one Mr. Jonathan A1, that I was able to gain the fortitude I needed in order to compete on the battle field. I thank you thus, my ever-loving wife, your husband, Jebediah Marshall Sprungfeld. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> so, so, so the Dars of Confederacy had nothing to do with A1, though, right? Oh my god, no. it, was just, oh my god. it was perfect. It was perfect. Fuck. <laughs> Fucking perfect. All right. Anyone could be um, Ken Burns if they had enough time and boredom on their hands. The 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 original um, sort of organization that that became sort of the foundation of the United Dollars of the Confederacy was founded on September tenth, eighteen ninety four, um, by Carolyn Merriweather Godlet and Anna Davenport Rains, and it was Those originally some of the whitest fucking names I have heard in a was, very long time. It was founded in Nashville, um, Tennessee. <laughs> And the original name of the organization was the National Association of the Daughters of the Confederacy. Um, but they eventually butter sore salt steak. <laughs> <laughs> Janet French fry white meat. Fizz bottom bread sauce ketchup steak. <laughs> um, and and eventually, uh, shortly after this, um, I didn't find an exact date, but they they moved to the United Daughters of the Confederacy. Okay. So, um, I'm sorry, we totally smodged you there a little bit. So, what was their original name? Their original name was the National Association of the Daughters of the Confederacy. Okay, so it's a little bit, little bit too long. Not going to work as a domain name. GoDaddy is going to tell you to yeah. suggest something catchier. So, when they when they started this group, right? What like was it? Just a bunch of like white women getting together to just complain, or like well, did they actually have some? It is it, it is it it is it, it was um, until uh, sort of unofficially and, and is later codified that it had to be 
um, in certain chapters, because a lot of it is that there are local chapters that answer to the national chapter. Um, and the original stated goal was to, quote unquote, tell of the glorious fight against the greatest odds a nation ever faced, that their hollowed memory should never die. Mm-hmm. So they're basically like a sorority. Well, they're, they're, they're what's called a historical organization, um, which these were very popular in the same way in, in the Gilded Age after, you know, the period between Reconstruction and World War One in the United States. Um, there were a lot of fraternal organizations for men, which are sort of like social clubs. And for women, the sort of the similar type of organization was like a historical society. Um, gardening societies and stuff also um, sort of sort of went with that as well, um, because these women have no political agency in America, um, so they mostly just do research and, and other activities like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because women's suffrage wasn't until like 1926? Yeah, not, not until they were officially given, but it, it depended on states. Um, a lot of the Western states would give women suffrage first, but that's mostly due to their small populations. Okay. Um, and, and their main sort of activity um, early on was was sort of constructing Confederate memorials, um, usually small ones in cemeteries, and also you know trying to get the bodies of Civil War soldiers of Confederate soldiers you know transported back um, to their hometowns and areas. That's okay. So, so they didn't start as a completely soulless, disgusting well, enterprise. Well, we'll we'll get to that. Um, so they they also set out that they would be very much, and this is something that a lot of these sort of like what are called neo confederates um, by the Southern Poverty Law Center um, sort of do that. They they consider that the Confederacy was not a separate government; that it was, in its sense, American, um, and that and that because of that, they they support. Um, all U.S. troops, and also honor veterans of all U.S. wars. Um, though even though they, they do claim they do that, they're not building statues, you know, of, of Union generals. Yeah, yeah. No, of course not. Um, in, in 1896, they established a, a sort of an organization within them called the Children of the Confederacy, um, and, and it's sort of like their children's division. This is getting very, very weird remarkably fast. And it, and it was mainly made up of, of children um, from the time they're born up until their 18th birthday. They can be members of this. Yeah, well, you got to um, – I mean, it, the way you change history, the way you rewrite it is you inculcate children. Yeah, you know, like <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the Hitler Youth, I believe. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, these people are just – And so all these, all these children of the Confederacy chapters are sponsored by the, the UDC chapters. And – they're they're taught. They're, one of the main books they used for the children was this book by uh, Leon Gardner Tyler called Catechism on the History of the Confederate States of America, eighteen sixty one to eighteen sixty five, and it essentially teaches the narrative that the only reason um, Northerners did away with slavery was because the climate was unsuitable for it in the North. Um, they had no intention of ever paying the South for its slaves after abolition, and that the slaves themselves were faithful to their owners, Wait, and that slave owners were were caring and gentle people, and that the only cruel mm. slave owners existed in the North. Uh, I have heard. Have they seen since, Django Unchained? By the way, Jesus Christ. since moving to <laughs> Jesus Christ, 
since moving to have they seen roots uh since since moving <laughs> to the south i have heard every single one of those arguments made by someone it, same very much the same um and and also it wasn't until um 2015 um that the the children of the confederacy as part of their creed um was it contained the phrase nor was it its underlying cause to sustain slavery in relation to the confederacy um so it took until 2015 for them to delete that from the the creed of their organization oh my god that's the sound of me not being surprised whatsoever and and like you said steve with the the inculcating of of children um, it, it's very much like the the Ku Klux Klan also has children's groups. How, ma- how um, many children is- were involved in those groups, though? You know what I mean? Because like mass, for anyone who doesn't know what inculcate means, it, it's a repeated instruction over time. So like it's I would I I don't think there's an exact number because because like one of the things about the Daughters of the Confederacy is that they do not. Um, they're, they're a bit tricky with, with what they release and what they'll cop to, but I would say thousands. I, I would say that this is something that that either children who grew up in the South were either directly involved in this organization or, or, or were directly influenced by it by things we'll get to that they do later on. Uh, okay. God, my blood pressure is going up already this and, episode. Fuck. And, and the, the, the UDC also uh, vehemently denies that they promote white supremacy um, which which will also also get to how that is that is not true. Of course, it's not uh, true. Well, well, while current while the current organization may have backed away from that, um, especially more recently, um, it, it is something that I would say that even even twenty years ago was something that they that they probably most likely still promoted within their closed meetings. So it's starting to sound a lot like um, I won't mention any specific groups, religious groups, but I will say that a certain group that shows up at your house occasionally while you're in the middle of watching a TV show and eating dinner and you know that group that constantly they constantly <laughs> really <laughs> that constantly <laughs> predicts the end of the world and has done so very you know, publicly you know Ryan to Ryan's years. just constantly getting visited by the nation of Islam but then when you ask them <laughs> if they're an apocalypse like organization and if they talk about when the world's gonna end they say oh no we're not doing that anyway it sounds a lot like that where it's kind of like you know they they have an established goal and they have like these edicts and stuff like that that they follow pretty closely but they just deny it you know they deny it even though they're like it's it's obvious kind of like a cult too. um and and sure. starting early on um they they would use prominent women members such as um a woman named Mildred Lewis Rutherford um, JK that Rowling. they would lobby they would lobby <laughs> legislatures and um, for the textbooks that were used in public schools um, to present a, a pro-confederate version of, of regional history and they also would would sort of begin um, blacklisting those um, who were quote unquote unjust to the institutions of the south wow so they couldn't go to hop sings yeah <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, you got me blacklisted from Hop Sings? So listen, when I moved down here to Florida, it was the first time I ever heard the term, literally the first time in my life I ever heard the term, the War of Northern Aggression. And I heard it in a history class in high school. And I remember asking my teacher, if Fort Sumter was what kicked it off, why was it Northern Aggression? Instant detention. 
instant. I'm talking about it was it really? was so goddamn fast. Yeah. So the detention didn't stick. He gave it to me. It didn't stick because my mom raised holy hell at the school. She was like, "You got us fucked up." Like, no, you're not. Absolutely not. You are not going to put this kid in detention for that. So I skipped on it. But I just I heard that and I was like, "That that's not right though." Like, why? Why? I think why would the you one. That? I think the one thing I heard that really drove me crazy was that the that the northern slave owners were evil and that the southern slave owners were like some kind of benevolent like paternal figure uh of course because all they did was sit on their porch and i and like lemonade. i almost threw up in my mouth a little bit when i heard it because i you know i it's just unbelievable yeah. but I, it's so it's so obviously wrong it's uh just unbelievable they were all bad every single one of them it in 1898 um, they they sort of launched one of their projects is called the uh, the Southern Cross of Honor, um, which is a commemorative medal um, that was established by them that they would give to um, conf- uh, members of what were called the United Confederate Veterans, which is sort of like the veterans organization um, for former Confederate soldiers. Oh my God, that's so gross! That's so fucking gross. Um, and by 1913, they issued 78,761 of these crosses. Um, th- this medal was never authorized to be to be worn by members of the U.S. military. Um, in that, um, you you could be like you, you weren't allowed to wear it on your uniform, and you could be punished for doing so because it was not a recognized uh, medal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the medal itself could only be um, bestowed through the daughters of the Confederacy. Um, do you have um, a you, picture of it, it, Andy? Can you describe it? What it looks like? It it just looks like a, a standard like just cross metal. Um, it's just just sort of like gold, um, just like uh, like the metals of that that sort of um, time period. Um, it, it sort of looks like a fireman's cross, okay, like a Maltese cross, like, okay. Yeah, like sort of like a Maltese cross with a big circle in the center with a Confederate flag in the middle. Okay. Um, with a wreath around so it. So it has it has a wreathed Confederate flag on it, and that's all we need to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's brutal enough. Yeah. Yeah, I put a put a picture of it in the chat, and it is it does have a Wikipedia page if you want to want to see it. I would like to ask one question. My God, it looked, I, at first, as soon as I saw it, at first I could have sworn it was swastika. Uh, as soon as I looked at it, I saw the battle flag in the middle, and my inner Yankee came out, and I wanted to set it on fire. So I try to be objective uh, with this stuff because I do want to understand like what was going on at the time. So a question I have before you go any further is: Isn't it generally agreed upon that the the end of the Civil War, while it was a, a military victory by the North? That the the southern states never fully acquiesced. Yeah, we'll we'll sort of get to that. There there's some choice quotes. Okay, I was gonna um, say I, like, I would argue, it was almost like a compromise, even though they lost. You know. Well, well, what happened is is that because of the death of Lincoln, um, the the sort of what were called the radical Republicans who wanted to sort of like make the South pay for the war. Um, were sort of cur- curtailed, and the fact that Lincoln too did not want to have sort of a heavy-handed occupation of the south um but because of that um because of the changes um reconstruction is is not generally successful which is sort of the military occupation of the south 
that goes from 1865 to 1877, mm-hmm. and it is eventually ended by what is called the Corrupt Bargain, um, which is the the 1876 election was was contested, um, and in order to get Rutherford B. Hayes elected uh, president, the the Democrats sort of agreed to just let him become the president, like that they would just acquiesce to him becoming president instead of fighting. Um, fighting against his election through the electoral college votes mm-hmm. and dragging it out, right. um, and and that the agreement was that the remaining troops that were in the South would leave. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so the remaining troops, um, they were in uh, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Florida. Um, and part of the thing with Reconstruction was was that the Southern states had to be readmitted to the Union. Um, they had to rewrite their state constitutions, and they would have to um, sort of present them to Congress, and they would have to be accepted, and then they would be able to gain like their regular statehood back. So, but it's a lot note. like Germany, right? Sorry, good. It's. I mean, I was going to say it's a lot like Germany, where like you know, just because the World War Two ended, didn't mean all the Nazis were gone. Of course. It, it, yeah, but the but the difference is uh, yeah. is that. In, in Germany, you know, there are um, – people were tried. Um, none, of, none of the leaders of the Confederacy were tried for what they did. Right. It's, it's, um, it's actually kind of worse, all, arguably. All, all, of them, all of them essentially were able to, to return to public life as well. Uh, many, many Confederate leaders would go on to become U.S. politicians again um, in their home states. Um, Confederate generals and, and sort of soldiers – um, could actually, you know, rejoin the military and have a similar rank. Um, so it, it, and there are, you know, sort of like Wehrmacht um, sort of officers that would return and, and sort of have a similar rank in the German military of, of both Germanys, of, of West and East Germany. Mm. Um, but the the difference is 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 that those they they usually had to take some sort of um, some some sort of ideological like pledge or, or test um, in, in order to get to where they were. Okay. Um, it wasn't just like that. It was like it's over. We like it's done. Because um, part of the reason why Reconstruction ended as well was because Northerners were tired of of essentially paying um, for the military um, to to sort of occupy the South because the South was actively fighting against Reconstruction. Right. Um, black people were allowed to vote for the first time, which is why we get the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan is a is a um, is a direct response to Reconstruction. It was a terrorist organization that sort of fought an insurgency. I'm sorry, was um, was at that time. There are different versions of the Klan. Listen, um, you're branded a terrorist in, organization. You're always a terrorist organization, no matter yes, how many times but, you try to put but, a new mask on. Your roots. but at this time, you know, they're fighting like a guerrilla yeah, movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, the, they're by this time, shitty they, back then. Like they're actively yes, yeah, but but we'll talk about the second founding of the clan. Now now they're more like an MLM kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> if if you uh, want to have a good a, a good breakdown of like how the clan remember to take your like, alpha brain. You guys want to buy these leggings? Perfect underneath during the summer marches. <laughs> their their whole thing is. You, you you gotta listen to the Behind the Bastards series on the on the clan. Um, just just to give you an idea of like how, how they operate. Mm. Oh, I don't think I did listen to that one yet. I gotta listen to it. Um oh, Mr. Behind the Bastards missed a whole episode. 
There's a bunch of them I haven't listened it's, to. It's several much. episodes, actually. Um, um, I was going to say earlier that, in, it, that when I start thinking about things like this that are really shitty in history, like active attempts to, you know, quote-unquote subvert, subvert the narrative or whatever, I just like to imagine what would happen if Fox News was around back then. Like, and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram were around and reporting on this stuff, and it never fails to make me laugh because you can, in your head, you can almost see exactly what they would be doing. Yeah. Talking about how, oh, these slaves are obviously dangerous. We can't let them free. Oh, yeah, of course you have to fucking be violent with the slaves. Of course you do. Like, Sean Hannity hand waving it away, and Tucker Carlson trying to have, like, the fake intelligent, you know, trying to be woke uh, thought process. It's just, it's hilarious. Always is. Well, it. Those type of people did exist. Back yeah, it's not like that's the reason why we have things like like redlining and because like all those all those things existed like like outside of the South because they didn't have to have you know redlining in in south of the Mason Dixon line because they had Jim Crow. Yeah, like like it was already illegal like in in law for 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 black people to to sort of cohabitate with white people. Um, they they sort of had to do it unofficially in the North after an influx of African-Americans who came to the North during World War One to work in the war industries. Gotcha. So what he's saying um, is that so- Fox News, like the ideologues <laughs> and the talking heads that were on Fox News, I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. Like, I'm talking literal Tucker Carlson. Yeah, yeah like literal if they were Sean out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a radio show or something. Well, yeah, sure. But, but there were already... there. The, there, there was already a number of people. I, w- I would say the majority of people sort of sort of viewed the viewed black people like that in the in the press and in the north. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, because because a lot of times you would have e- even I would say like abolitionists. Um, a, a large number of abolitionists didn't even like black people. They just thought that slavery was wrong and immoral, and that their their plan was that after slavery was abolished, that they would send you know all the all the slaves you know back to africa oh, e- even though none of them were from africa because you know the transatlantic slave trade had been made illegal by the united states government like well before the civil war um their their belief was that you know that they weren't compatible with american society god damn you had me in the first half of that one i'm not gonna lie You're fighting to free the slaves up oh, just to send them back god damn it <laughs> Fuck. um well, yeah. So th- this medal, to, to go back to it, um, the last person to receive this medal, uh, who was given it uh, posthumously, um, which which is like against the rules of the medal, was Rear Admiral um, Raphael Seams. Um, and even though um, the last Confederate veteran uh, died in 1951, um, there's still a law on the books in Virginia um, Virginia Code Section 18.2-176B. Um, it's a Class Three misdemeanor punishable by a fine of not more than $500 to, quote-unquote, wear any Southern Cross of Honor when not entitled to do so by the regulations under which such crosses of honor are given. Wow. Um, and there, there was an analog for, for soldiers who fought for the Union um, that was given away um, by sort of the Union's veteran organization was called the Union's Grand Army of the Republic Medal. Um, but it also was a similar thing where you couldn't wear it on a military uniform. It was kind of like a private medal, so to speak. Yeah, it was It was one given by a private organization, was- um, which is generally a thing that, that militaries agree. Like, um, generally you can't wear a medal from, like, another country as well unless it's authorized. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so um, it, it's sort of uh, separate of the UDC. Um, there are sort of organizations being founded after the Civil War um, by women um, to sort of organize the burial of local Confederate soldiers and to establish, you know, cemeteries for them, um, have commemorative ceremonies, and also to build uh, monuments for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and these groups eventually get sort of um, absorbed into the UDC. Okay. Um, and, and what it does is it, it sort of build, it, it raises money to build monuments um, and also to lobby uh, Congress to, to do a lot of these activities, you know, to rebury Confederate soldiers um, and, and sort of affect the, what's written in history books. I don't think any Confederate um, sh- any Confederate soldier should be allowed burial in any sort of United States national cemetery whatsoever because you're you're you fought against the country. You know what I'm saying? Like you you actively fought against the United States, and to rebury you or even bury you in the first place in any kind of United States federal cemetery, military cemetery, is just a slap in the face. Is really what it is. So I agree with the specificity of your argument, but I would say that I agree that if families want to regain the remains of lost ones, regardless of what the ideology was when they died, they're perfectly within their right to do so. Oh, no, no, no. I would never so, say like, a family the, can't The go one yeah. thing that – yeah, no, I, I know that's Wait. not what you were saying, but the one thing that I'm, I want to make clear is like of all the stuff Steve talked about earlier, I've already said it once, that like reburying soldiers' remains – that's okay. That's actually a yeah, noble cause, yeah. you know. Hundred um, percent. And they would also raise money to sort of take care of the widows and children of Confederate soldiers who died. Right. That's not. And that again, like, yeah, that's a yeah. good thing. The, yeah. Yeah. The women and children didn't and, have anything to do with it, so you know you have to take care of them. Yeah. And by by 1900, um, they they had a total membership of around 17,000, <sighs> um, but by World War One. They had a total membership of around a hundred thousand. Oh, lord. good fucking lord! That's a lot of daughters. <laughs> That's a lot of uh, daddy daughter um, daddy daughter dances. Oh my god! A lot of cotillions. A lot of, uh, 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 of says. Oh. Wait. That's a lot of shotgun um, threats for her first boyfriend. That's that's, that's essentially what a cotillion it's, is. Yeah, it's, it's just white, a white, white, white Kinsey. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh man! A white trash Kinsey. Beth went to awesome. her white Kinsey. <laughs> I don't think I ever. I think um, I went to one cotillion, and I, I left about fifteen minutes in and went home and got drunk with friends. It, it's called a cotillion. Yeah, winter winter it's, cotillion. It's like a it's like a fancy like ball or whatever where they like. First of all, they, again, they should... I've never heard of this. You have to understand when I say that I'm like northern, I'm very. Yeah, so am I, buddy. And this and is it was not in a thing the north. Happens up there. Yeah, it was. That does not fucking happen up there. Are you kidding me? Sure, it did. Where are you it's from? It's a holdover. From I'm from Jersey. Jersey's like the south of the north. It's a north. holdover of the South Jersey. Is like the south of the north. First of all, <laughs> I, I agree with that. If you go to certain parts of South Jersey, you might as well just be in Kentucky. You know, you hear the that's like farms and it's you know conservatism and you know generally generally. Anyway, explain this to me because I've never heard of this before. It's a dance. It's just a dance that was popular it's, in Europe and you, got you know, pulled into American culture, and that's it. You, you know how they have like those like big fancy balls where they have like the like their daughters like coming out that she's like they're, they're essentially advertising that she's that she's like she's on the market for marriage. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's exactly like, what um, it is. 
so it's a showing it, off period. Yeah. See, I know the daddy daughter dances. I just I didn't know that those were called. What are they? Cotillions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, not not okay. always. Uh, they're they're like cotillions are like the fancy like like rich people one. Usually, like the there daddy daughter dances are like the like religious fundamentalist ones. Bro, there it is. The cotillions they give, are for like, rich people. But they give like why. promise. I'm just saying that like, I went to a <laughs> uh, majority black Catholic or a majority black uh, public school, and we had a cotillion. Like, it wasn't used in that sense anymore. It's just what they call that well, was, winter dance. Yeah, it's it's what they called it, but I'm but this is like an actual cotillion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, the actual definition, maybe, if it was held to, sure. And I'm sure there's plenty of places that still use it in that way. But, like, in my experience, I, I'm, I'm dumbing it down because I'm saying that, you know, yeah. we didn't have that. Like, nobody's daughter was on display in fucking New Jersey, you know? Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> fuck that shit, dude. Here's I, my daughter. She's on display for all of you uh, to see. My daughter, Look the at future her. Duchess of Newark, is she's ready. Look at her saltwater taffy hair. Go ahead. Since, since I moved Look at her dress. She wanted she wanted Eggles colors. Because <laughs> essentially, colors. you know, if you're from Trenton, you're from basically you're from East Philly. <laughs> I just pissed um, off everyone. <laughs> so, what one of the big sort of projects that the UDC did as well was writing. And they encouraged a lot of their members to write um, biographies of, of major Southern figures. Um, for instance, uh, Verena Davis, the, the wife of Jefferson Davis, wrote, wrote a biography of him. Um, but later on, these women would add in their own sort of like like discourse on, on the war and, and like after the war. Um, and, and these women would often write about sort of like reconstruction and like, for instance, they would like, they would talk about how they like helped return quote unquote order. Um, but you know, like, like horse whipping uppity black people and stuff like that. Ugh. Um, and they, they also sort of like gave a guide on how to like structure and write these memoirs. And, um, they, they would also, you know, help get them published. <laughs> the MLA guide um, for historical revisionist racism. <laughs> It's it's sort of I'm guessing it's sort of like how the the Harley Quinn romance novel company, like they they have a guide of like how the book should be written, like like a book you have to follow. I, I imagine it's like that, um, but a lot of these help sort of like fuel what what comes to be known as the lost cause narrative. Oh God, um, I, just, I hate which, that term. Which, which which is a like a white supremacist narrative of um, the sort of the Civil War, the antebellum period before this uh, civil war the and, and sort of like the narrative of what slavery was like like steve mentioned you know sort of the the lie you know that that there were no like brutal slave masters in the south they were all in the north yeah these the, like, the uh, that, that that's an example of like the lost cause right um and i think you were telling me at one point that the uh essentially that's what the daughters of the confederacy start start accepting and pushing, yeah they right? they are they are big proponents of pushing sort of the lost cause the lost cause narrative doesn't immediately begin to take hold very much like jim crow it is something that sort of develops over time in the south um sort of as um sort of like white elites because a lot of the people that sort of control the south today are the descendants of the landowners who controlled the south um you know during the civil is war that true? um if you if you go to like Alabama, like the wealthiest families in Alabama are the descendants of the plantation owners. Wow. Really? 
and that a lot of the reason why that they not only maintain their property, um, they also maintain their wealth because a lot of them became sharecroppers. So listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna side note here real quick, I'm, and I will redact. Uh, I'm not redact. I'm not gonna say any names, just so you know, protect protect the innocent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm in Florida. I'm kind of in the very. I'm in a very close to the near 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 part of Florida. I have a friend. She's a white lady. She married a black guy. Whatever. Where they're getting married, uh, her parents wanted the the ceremony to be held on a plantation and didn't see the problem when their entire extended family is now going to be black. And she's telling me this, and she's like, I have to convince my mom that this is not a good idea, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like... Yeah, it's... Uh, people are generally stupid. I mean, we've been... Over, I think that's a recurring theme in a lot of our podcasts. People are generally dog, I'm dumb. telling you right now. I'm like, my mind was blown. I was like, how does your mom not see that? And she was like, I don't know. Like, she's so deaf. I'm like, well, I would, I would just... I would just... If... My parents would never suggest that, but if they did, like, if that was the case, I would just say, do you think it would be wise... To have a Jewish wedding reception at like Der Wiener Schnitzel, <laughs> like do you, do you think do you, do you think that would be no. like a wise thing to do? So I don't think really you know using this symbol, it's that YouTube video, of sort of like black oppression and exploitation for a wedding. It's that YouTube video where the that black dude tells the story about how when he was in school they went to a uh, a cotton plant like a cotton farm and they had to pick oh, cotton yeah. and. Uh, but I'm not going to mention it because he drops a lot of hard ends. And uh, <laughs> but I will say, you know, fair warning, it's pretty vulgar, but it's hilarious, and you should go look it up. Ugh. Oh my god, it's <laughs> the worst, dude. Um. So, uh, one a historian, uh, Jacqueline Dowd Hall, um, she says that the that the UDC had like a, a specific. Uh, position they had of like what southern women's role was in, in sort of the new south and it was a quote-unquote a commitment to bolstering vanquished and disheartened veterans and keeping the memory of the dead alive but it was also committed to immortalizing the heroism of confederate women whose valors its leader believed had been every bit as important as men's um so it's not just they're like we we need to they're, they're also sort of spinning this narrative as well that it, women were just as heroic as the men, you know, staying back and like maintaining the plantations during um, the Civil War. Okay. Okay. Um, and and some of the methods they would use um, is that um, the, these women would would sort of like assert their cultural authority over every like every representation of the South's past. That that they would consider themselves and sort of advocate that they were the end all be all of of Southern history mm -hmm. um and they would lobby um state archives museums and national history sites um and, and historic highways um they they would sort of like create genealogies um and they would they would interview you know former soldiers and write history books mm. um so so they sort of like create a monopoly over this area and part of the reason why like there there are questions about sort of like the recent um, the the recent destruction of, of their library at their main sort of organization headquarters is is that there there should be any items in that library that were irreplaceable in, in terms of historical value okay. 
because they should be sharing these freely. They shouldn't just be, you know, hoarding historical knowledge. Like that's not what an educational institution does. No, no. and you know, like you, if if the, if they're documents, you digitize them. If they're, and I say this as someone who is in this field, like if there is an organization that keeps a monopoly on this, they are not a trustworthy and good organization. So I think we can, because uh, we talked about this before the podcast, and I think like we can all say without any reserve that we support the protests that are going on right now. Um, 100%. Not a fan of the violence, and so like I, I drew a little bit of umbrage about the uh, destruction of the headquarters, but I have never heard it phrased that way. And uh, you just changed my mind. Well, you'll 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 see about some of the other items that they have, which I, I'm sure they, there's a couple items that that may have gotten damaged that they didn't detail for obvious reasons. Oh. Um, when we get to the second half of the podcast, yeah. which is, this this is more their general uh. history as opposed to their the, the history they don't want people to know about. Um, Listen, my my whole my stance has always been. If it's some kind of hateful or racist artifact, you fucking destroy that shit because it has no place. Yeah, I don't it's care. been documented historical historically already. Otherwise. We don't Fuck need that. to keep the symbols. Yeah, we yeah. know what it is. Destroy you don't, it. You, you don't need to keep that like that like captured Nazi flag. Right? Uh, everyone's yeah, no, got your that grandfather's friend or, Nazi or knife that you pulled off somebody. That's fine. Destroy the here's shit. My, you don't fucking need to hang. Here's my grandfather's your war Nazi box. memorabilia China. Destroy it. You don't fucking need that shit. The the only the only good Confederate flag is that one that I think's in um, the Minnesota. I think it is state state house. Yeah, they captured um, from Virginia. the one that the one that was captured <laughs> and that the uh, the the state the state where the regiment was from keeps on asking for it back and they keep telling them no. <laughs> So the quick um, history on that that I heard from a, a something awful goon was that when Minnesota captured the flag, Virginia constantly asks for it back, and re- yeah. re- Minnesota keeps giving the finger. It's like, hilarious. Yourself, no. Like that's just to tell you how many people are still like involved <laughs> with like old wrongs that are so ridiculous, you know. Um, so a, a lot of these organizations too are, are sort of popular during this time period up until like the 1920s. They start they start sort of going into decline. Uh, because, like I said, you know, once women are given the right to vote, um, they don't really need these organizations as much. And also, sort of World War One kind of kills the whole like fraternal organization boom. Mm-hmm. But, but again, um, the ideologies don't go in decline. No. Yes, but see, they they keep they keep going. Right. Um, and so, when the number of Confederate veterans begins to like dwindle, um, they sort of focus on other areas. One of them is sort of um, education. Um, and, and they sort of start building up, you know, scholarships and, and dormitories um, for the, the children of um, these these sort of veterans and also children of, you know, uh, members of the organization. Let me um, ask you so they build Steve. Yes. Why? Why? Why the fuck do you do all this? Why? Tell me why. Like, what is your end goal? Like, it's not going to change the outcome of the war. Nothing is going to change. Why do you hold well, on to this? Well, no. The reason why they're doing this is because they want to recreate the order that existed before the they're war. They want to create a, a generation of southern white men who support and believe in their ideology in order to bring it into, like, place within the South. Yeah, you ever heard the phrase, So they basically South want the South again. to turn back into the antebellum South is what they want. Yeah. Yes, this is this is their their direct thing, and they actually believe at some points that they that they're doing it. Yeah, like think about it. Why would you why would you okay. reeducate anyone about anything because you want them to fall in line it, and potentially? No, I, I mean I get that, but again, like 
how does that relate to anything? Like, okay, you know, you get back sure. to this romanticized antebellum South, yeah. you're never going to have slaves. You're never going to have plantations. Like, what do you, I don't understand what the end goal for these people is. And maybe well, it's, it's just they're so fucking dumb that I can't well, understand to, it, but... Well, not to, not to Godwin it, but it's, you know, it's just like the Nazis or any other fascist organization. They have their own belief in this sort of mythological historic past, mm-hmm. and they want to bring it into modern society. Um, so they sort of build these organizations that are dedicated into perpetuating this myth and making it, you know, making the world into what they want it to be, to make a world in which, you know, these white elites control the South, black people are kept down and have to live in fear of these white people. That is their direct idea of what they want for society and them sort of giving these scholarships, building these dormitories are for are sort of for putting this into plan. Now let me ask putting you this. this. Action. That was very well The said. way okay. you just said no, that, imagine. yeah, it's very succinct, but they would argue that that's not what they want to do, right? Well, they might argue that today, but we'll go to what they actually said at the time. Okay, cool. I have a whole bunch of quotes from them from this time period about what they believe about the South, what they believe about their role in it, and what they believe about black people and what they believe about the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, and if they oh, we can NS- skip what they believe about black people, we know what they believe about black people. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we could just skip that. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Let me sum it up for you. We believe that we are superior to the inferior black man. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's what. There you go. It, it's it's like worse than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, we get skipped. So, uh, <laughs> so, and so from about 1880 to 1910, um, they're they're sort of like one of the main vectors that sort of um, promotes and puts this sort of um, lost cause mythology into the world. Like, they're one of the main proponents or one of the main people, you know, putting out the books and funding the books and funding all and this. And the lobbying um, and all that stuff, which yeah, we can't so understand. One of, one of their big goals is promoting uh, white Southern solidarity um, in, in order to sort of legitimize um, racial segregation and white supremacy in the South. Um, and they would also define sort of like the identity of someone from the South with images from the old South while portraying slavery as being benign and that slaves were happy. Um, and that reconstruction sort of made, um, made slaves, you know, become savage and immoral. Hmm. Um, that because reconstruction happened, you know, the slaves were pulled from the bosom of their benign masters, that they became this like savage rapine horde that sort of went all over the South. What the fuck? God, I hate these people. That logic um, is just so fucking subversive. So, they, they also created a, a book, which was called The Measuring Rod to Test Textbooks and Reference Books, which all the UDC chapters uh, unanimously endorsed. Um, that, that sort of was their guide to, like, does this book meet our standards of what is a quote-unquote good history book? Now, let me ask you something. Now that we're in the year of our Lord 2020, um, do, do, like, do these books that – that kind of change history do they still exist are they still used in schools or are schools pretty well have oversight to be like not get the fuck out of here with that bullshit well i would i would say that um this this guide isn't is probably not not used um that but but there are books that they did promote and put into school curriculums that are definitely not used and we'll we'll talk about that um for, for obvious reasons okay um so, um, a historian, James Ed McPherson, 
um, he he sort of said that um, he says that the the present day UDC um, promotes a, a white supremacist and neo Confederate agenda. And he says, um, this is a quote from him, I think I agree 100% with Ed Sebesta, though about the motives or hidden agenda not too deeply hidden, I think of such groups as the United Daughters of the Confederacy and the Sons of the Confederate Veterans. They are dedicated to celebrating the Confederacy and rather thinly veiled support for white supremacy, and I think that also is the, again, not very deeply hidden agenda of the Confederate flag issue in several southern states. Um, and the, the Constitution of the United um, Daughters of the Confederacy, the, South, the North Carolina Division, um, they said that they aim to ensure that, quote-unquote, the portion of American history related to the um, Civil War shall be properly taught in the public schools of the state and to use its influence towards the object in all private schools. Publicly taught the, the, the true history of the Civil War. Um, yes, and, uh, you, you fired on the North, and the North turned around and kicked your silly asses, and then here, admonished you. Here is a quote from uh, the North Carolina Division President, um, Mrs. I.W. Faison. Um, this is at the annual convention at Wilmington, North Carolina in 1909. 1909. Steve, um, I need your Steve, I need your violin background music, by the way, buddy, for this quote. No. <laughs> <laughs> It, and she says, we must see that the correct history is taught our children and train them, not in hatred towards the North, who differed from us, but in knowledge of true history of the South and the war between the states and the causes that led up to the war, so that they will be able to state facts and prove that they are right in the principles for which their fathers fought and died, and continue to preserve and defend their cause until the whole civilized world will come to know that our cause was just and right. There is an expression often used by our people as the quote-unquote lost cause. Let us forget such, for it is not the truth. No, our cause was not lost because it was not wrong. Wow. Um, um, wow. Okay. And, 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 a, and a few years earlier, um, a UDC president, uh, Mrs. Uh, James A. Um, Runzeville, um, put it this way um, in Charleston, South Carolina. Um it has never been the cherished purpose of the Daughters of the Confederacy to secure greater educational opportunities for Confederate children, and by thorough training of their powers of mind, heart, and hand, render it possible for these representatives of our Southern race to retain for that race its supremacy in its own land. Wow. And, and the UDC would not only champion um, books... Um, they would also sort of champion the banning of books that they found disagreeable and also the removal of educators who talk contrary to their own narrative of the war in the South. That's So, again, it's a, a, the organization's goal is just historical revisionism, and they hit it on all fronts. Um, and they, they would also, during World War II... Um, they, they would also move to sort of aiding nurses. They would make a scholarship um, for women who wanted to become nurses. Um, it, and they would sort of like expand into that avenue. And they would also um, sponsor essay and poetry compositions. Um, but they were sort of given a guide that they could not use the term civil war. Um, they would have to use the phrase war between the states. Please tell me that these things are like not like their scholarships and stuff are not still around. Um, they, I believe they are. Um, God damn it, I after, hate so much. 
So after after 1900, they sort of become like an even bigger. Um, it, it can sort of be that they become like more of an umbrella organization of just sort of these like pro segregationist, pro South um, sort of movements. And in 1903, um, the North Carolina Division is the first to amend its constitution to add a racial requirement that that only allowed for white women to join the organization. But they're totally not white supremacists. And, totally not. And also, too, um, it's an exclusive organization, which very much like a lot of fraternal organizations, um, you, you had to be accepted into the organization. You couldn't just apply and get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason why they do this is because they want to sort of um, sort of create an organization that's made up of women they feel are the most like the the most presentable and the most like affluent and and best of the South. Um, so they're not going to let in somebody who's like poor um, who who had like a, a relative that fought in the Civil War. Okay, I mean. Okay. Um, in, on July 18th of 1919, um, they established um, its headquarters in the Memorial Building um, to the Women of the Confederacy, which is the building they currently reside in in Richmond, Virginia, um, which is on sort of a road that's like a monument road that's just full of like giant statues of, um, of Confederate generals, uh, mo- most of which are currently covered in, in graffiti or, or be currently being you know, pulled down by protesters. Inshallah. Um, after after 1945, they begin, you know, sort of putting um, historical markers on highways. Like, stop letting these people have anything to do with the federal government, federal highways. Well, that's the no, thing is their, their goal is, you know, they, they went about it um, the right way. You know, they, they, they weren't doing the right thing, but they knew and, and got into positions of influence and power – and, I know, and lobbying, I know, and they pushed it. I'm just saying, and so I'm just in a perfect world of federal I think government. The, I think the argument I'm trying to off. make is that it's difficult. Like you can't just take, you can't just take it away. It might take time because they made it persist. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, in a perfect world, the federal government would shit all over these people and have let well, them have absolutely nothing to wait, do with federal highways, federal, what, you know, military well, you cemeteries, have, stuff like that. Well, you have to remember. All these women, like their their husbands and relatives, are the congressmen who are in Congress at this time. Yeah, like yeah. like they're they're that's directly I mean, related to the yeah. national government. Um, See, so, like, you say that, but I I feel like that's like one of those statements where it, that's so crazy to to even hear. Like. I, I, well, look yeah. look at, like, people like Strom Thurmond. Yeah, well, he's dead, though. Like, like t- you're saying to this day there's still politicians? Well, no, at that time. Oh. This is I'm, – I'm talking about when they're they're doing these things at that time. Oh, okay, time. okay. There, okay. I'm not there's talking no about to this day. Oh, okay. That's my bad. congressmen aren't still Well, they, they still are. That one, yeah. um, that one congressman from Louisiana who got shot at the baseball game um, – I, f- I forget his name. Um, he He's, like – he, he was he was at meetings of like clan adjacent groups that's disgusting. like like accepting rewards and like posing with like confederate flags wasn't, with them. so there are still southern congressmen wasn't the ronald who are too? like the what? ronald wasn't he the gipper yeah well ronald no Reagan, no no the the ronald uh, desantis 
he was uh, when he was <laughs> when he was running for too. office. That's why I said the Gipper. <laughs> when he was running for office, one of the big things that was against him was that he met with clan adjacent groups, like white supremacist groups. He's a Republican. Well, Nobody's surprised. I, I mean, again, like I just find it amazing that there's a, a major candidate. I, I'm sorry, like I'm not, I'm not completely immune to that. Like I'm not, I am surprised, but. Like, look, look at today, you know, the police are, the police are posing with armed white supremacist groups yep. during, during the protest. Yeah, in North like Carolina. Like with them. I was just looking at a and story in, about and it Florida earlier. Today. And elsewhere. Yeah. Just, just all over. Yeah, I just saw the one yeah. in North Carolina, um, but yeah, I'm sure it's happening elsewhere too. Um, it's very so gross. they, they, they also do a lot of, um, d- uh, donations during wartime, um, in World War One. Um, they they funded 70 hospital beds at the American Military Hospital on the Western Front, and they also contributed $82,000 for French and Belgian war orphans. Um, they also raised um, $24 million for for war bonds and, and savings stamps. That's a lot. Um, they fucking and, and they donated uh, $800,000 to the Red Cross. Um, they had their nursing program during World War II, um, and they also... Um, they also donated fifty thousand dollars to um, Vanderbilt University um, to build a Confederate memorial hall, which in 2016 um, the university um, gave them 1.2 million dollars um, to remove the the Confederate um, the the Confederate like name from the memorial hall. Jeez. So I just want to now. Did you say put 2016? On the end of this. Listen, on the yeah. end of this, I want to put a huge asterisk because now that you said all that really just subjectively good stuff that they did, or I'm sorry, objectively good stuff that they did, um, they're still racist shitheads. So let's not well, forget that. Well, well, don't don't worry. I think we've, I just, we've already time, partially listen, established that. Every time you say something that. real nice, I just want to, I just, I, I feel like I have to add that, like, yes, they did some really, really good shit, like hospital beds, et cetera, et cetera. But they're still racist fuckheads. Don't ever forget. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't worry. I, I, to, to, in impartiality, I said some good things that they did. Now, now we're gonna get to, um, how, how they were a big part in the, uh, the clan being reformed. <laughs> um, so, um, a, according to a, a lawyer named uh, Greg Huffman, um, perhaps nothing illustrates the UDC's true nature more than its relationship with the Ku Klux Klan. Many commentators have said. The UDC simply supported the Klan. That is not true. The UDC during Jim Crow venerated the Klan and elevated it to a a nearly mythical status. It dealt in and preserved Klan artifacts and symbology. It even served as a sort of public relations agency for the terrorist group. Um, So... In 1899, by, by this time, the Klan is like somewhat non-existent in the South. Um, some people still claim to be members, um, but they're not the organization that they eventually become. Um, okay. So, uh, so in in uh, in the Vance County chapter of the North Carolina Division, um, at a at a convention in 1899, Lucy Close Parker says. The old Confederate soldier looks down from the sky and laughs as he sees the principles for which he fought established, the great battle for the Constitution, states' rights, white supremacy, and all the South has conquered. So she's essentially saying that they're they're reversing, you know, that they actually won the Civil War, that they're sort of implementing um, sort of what they believe to be what the soldiers fought for. And in, and in 1905... 
um, at the ninth annual um, North Carolina convention, um, Lucy uh, Close Parker, um, she, the the woman I mentioned earlier, um, she announces that the original um, Ku Klux Klan flag um, from Carabas County, um, North Carolina, is is being offered for sale. This was a two, 1902. In 1905. Okay. Um, so this is a banner. It, it's shaped like a triangle. It has a dragon on it, um, and they they sort of decide that they're going to like that they want to get this flag for their chapter and they get in a bidding war with other um other north carolina um divisions uh and and from other states for this flag um so they ask local chapters to to sort of pledge money um and, and sort of do fundraisers in order to get this flag wow um and the reason why they want to get this flag is to put it in the North Carolina division, um, the North Carolina room of the Museum of the Confederacy in Richmond, Virginia, which is now called um, the the Museum of the Civil War. That's ridiculous. And it still it still resides there today. That's ridiculous. And and a number of, of UDC members as well would, would sort of during this period sort of like bring up their clan credentials. Um, and, and for instance, one member uh, uh, told Parker that her family had five members that were in the Klan, um, her husband and then her, her four brothers. So I understand, uh, you know, that the Klan was always an awful, awful thing. And uh, today they exist as a relic of uh, hate more than anything. But at that time, in 1909, uh, were they a respectable organization in the South? Well... These people consider them heroes. Like we'll we'll, we'll get. Well, we'll I'm get just to mean like la- I'm just mean like largely like from a social standpoint in the South. If someone was a member of a clan, was that considered a chip on their shoulder, or were people like? Eh. I would say that most white people in the South would consider that a good thing. Um, so in perfect timing. So, so they one. make it a they make it a priority of getting this flag, and in 1906 they they're able to purchase the flag um, for about 1,318 dollars in in today's money. Okay. Um, and they they announced the the purchase at the 10th annual convention in Center uh, Richmond, and they would um, they would produce hundreds of commemorative postcards um, that were printed and sold depicting the banner, um, and they would do this until about 1915. That they would sell these postcards to the public, <sighs> and like I said, this flag still currently resides in the renamed uh, Museum of the Civil War in Richmond, Virginia. So I just want to say that a, a lot of times, when Does General people... Sherman have any living relatives? I mean, go ahead, Steve. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's also a valid question. Uh, uh, yeah, so they're in Congress. Uh, so, <laughs> so I just want to say that it's uh, a lot of people make the argument that you know it was the time period or they lived in different times these are the times they're talking about well they're well you you can make the argument that like they lived in different times but to just like murder people for for existing essentially is is not like a valid thing even in that no no absolutely not absolutely not it wasn't i'm saying that like i'm just saying that like if somebody uh calls exception like i usually get in the conversation about like lovecraft who was an unapologetic racist 
And uh, hey, do you guys know Mr. Lovecraft's cat's name? Yeah, I, I, I am well aware what his <laughs> cat's not, name. Please. He was well. He was he was also considered racist in this time period. That he yeah. was even told by um, Robert E. Howard, the writer of Conan, right. who lived, who was from Texas, and was it was very much like like a believer in sort of like this this racist or I should say racialist ideology at that time. The term racist didn't exist right. yet. Um, that, that he believed in the sort of racialist ideology. Like, he even told Lovecraft that he, like, needed to tone it down. <laughs> Good gosh. But my, my point is, is um, it's super... I think, like, the further we get away from it, like, it, it sort of becomes disconnected from it a little bit for some people, and they think that a majority of people may not have been that way back then, and it's not the case. I've actually heard people that, make yeah. that argument where it's like, you know, these were awful people. I'm like, yeah, well, most people were awful in that regard back then. Like, it was bad. These people were especially awful. That's like David Duke telling Trump to, like, tone it down a little bit. He's being a little bit too crazy. Yeah. Like, that is insane. I always feel like I always feel um, like Trump's more of just, he's arrested development, but anyway. So, we're, we're, we're sort of we're sort of moving to to a point, and I want to know, um, in, in 1915 is the second founding of the Klan. Um, 1915 is when the Klan becomes, like, what we know it is today. Um, a lot of what we see, like, the guys in white robes, like, burning um, burning crosses, mm-hmm. like, having the organizations, you know, um, just, just attacking, like, civil rights leaders and stuff like that. That That is that is not sort of come into being yet. So we're 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 getting there, and I, I want to remind you of that as as I sort of get these quotes as we get closer to that date. Um, in 1909, um, Mrs. I. W. Faison, who who we had a quote from earlier at the at the North Carolina um, 13th Annual Convention, um, she summarized the group's purpose and who it was intended to benefit as such. Um, the work of the United Daughters of the Confederacy is not based on sentiment alone. As the records of our work will show, our main objective, our main objects are memorial, historical, benevolent, educational, and social. We are building monuments of bronze and marble to our noble Confederate dead as an inspiration to future generations. We have built and assisted in building all over the South monuments in the form of soldiers' homes, hospitals, memorial halls, and schools for descendants of our Confederate soldiers, in whose veins flow pure Anglo-Saxon blood, who otherwise would not be educated. Um, and I want you to know Anglo-Saxon, because when they say Anglo-Saxon in this case, it is like usually like when people say Anglo-Saxon, it means, you know, white people of English descent. Um, but like in this wasps. case, when the UDC uses it, they expressly mean white people. Southern white. This is what, so let's, let's do a, we're going to do a division check because it's important for me to keep making this point. This is what year? In 1909. And when did the Civil War end? 1865. So 44 So again, years. it's it's my my argument that I bring up again. If the Nazis were erecting statues in the 80s. Um, and- hey, just as a side note too, Steve, you know you're the you're the you're the pretty big you know history buff here. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Seems like you know a thing or two about you stuff. You, know you seem like it. And, you uh, seem like you dabble of, in it. Even though I kind of I'm all slurpees because to Steve question, told me some things. Right. Listen, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of sort of already know the answer to this question, but I want to ask this just to kind of get this response and really drive his point home. Uh, when were the majority of these like pro-Confederate statues erected in the United States? Like mostly in the, in the time period that we're talking about, so from like the eighteen nineties 
up until um, I, I don't know when the last one was erected, but the majority of them were erected before World War II, and then some, you know, in the immediate years after, during like the Jim Crow era. So thirty okay, to sixty that, years. That, that was where I was going with this because yeah. everything that I have always seen was that the the healthy majority of Confederate statues, Confederate named streets, Confederate buildings, you know, they were all erected directly as a response um, to the Civil Rights Movement. So like you know, sixties, fifties, and sixties. Um, like one of the main reasons why um, a lot of these Confederate statues are by government buildings is not because you know it was a good place to build a statue. Um, part of the reason why, well, yeah, part of the reason why, for instance, they would put a statue of a Confederate general or of a Confederate soldier or of like what's called Johnny Reb, who is like the generic sort of like Confederate soldier. The reason why they would put it outside of a courthouse was to show black people you know, that what the order was, remind them, you know, that, that this is a place where white people have supremacy and that they will not get a fair trial. Dude, all I'm saying is um, December 2017, Johnny Reb still stood at Lake Eola in Orlando, Florida. That's yeah, disgusting. It, it, they the the it. express purpose of these statues, and, and for instance, um, there's one, I, I saw there, there was a comedian um, she posted on on Twitter in her in her hometown of Denton, Texas. Um, uh, her name's Rachel um, Pegram, and she said that she wanted to um, that to sign this petition, uh, change.org, to remove um, this Confederate monument that was in the downtown square of this this town, Denton, Texas. And I looked into it, and the the statue is an art that says "Our Confederate Soldiers" on it, and it has like some engravings. But it also originally contained a drinking fountain, um, which back in those days, a drinking fountain was not like we think it today, um, where you, you sort of press the button and you, you drink from it. It was one where you would have to like put a cup into like a, a, a bowl of water in order to drink. And that's, that statue was a whites-only drinking fountain. That monument. That's... It, it was a white only drinking like signs like seeing those signs back in like the 50s and 60s of like two different water fountains and it's like whites only that just it fucking blows my mind that that's a thing that people thought was okay to, well, I mean, to be entirely honest, I never realized how racist Boston was as a city. In my mind growing up, I'm thinking Massachusetts and Boston and New England is like this huge, you know, progressive bastion of equality and then then I went to a hockey game where there was a black player that played for the Montreal Canadiens against the Bruins. Yeah. And, um, it was, um, yeah. wow. And then, uh, there's that very famous photo of a dude, a white guy, long hair. It's a black and white photo and he's got a flagpole. Um, it's got the American flag on it. And he's like, it looks like he's using it almost like a pole ax. Like he's trying to like stab this black guy with it. And I realized that, that was taken outside of city hall in Boston during the civil rights movement. And I was like, fuck this city. Yeah. Goddamn racist as shit. This is, this is the home of uh, Mark Wahlberg, famous celebrity who, who blinded Marky a Vietnamese Mark. man. Yeah. Who blinded a Vietnamese man by like beating him. Yeah. Fuck. While, while screaming racial epithets at him. Yeah. Well known. Well, known. um, by the way, thanks, Steve. Again. Now so, I know two this is things about Denton. I know that there's a great song about Denton <laughs> called The Best Ever Death Metal Band uh, out of Denton, which is uh, covered by Laura Jane Grace and originally written by the Mountain Goats. Great song. And I know yeah. that they have segregated water fountains. <laughs> 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 or they did. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not anymore. 
Yeah, there's been multiple attempts to have the to have the arch removed. Uh, um, and this oh, is I'm the sorry, it's one. still there. Yeah, oh, of course it's still there. You fucking yeah, she has a she put up a, a change.org petition. Uh, um, so if you want to sign the petition, um, they they're they're almost close to getting the twenty five thousand signatures that they wanted. Um, but it is um, just search for the Denton Downtown Square Confederate um, Memorial. Jesus. Will it tell me where this memorial um, is located? I don't know. Yeah, we're going to stop short there. <laughs> um, so to, to get back to, to the to the ramping up of, of sort of like white supremacy, and, and this is also, you have to remember, this is even before like civil rights begin in earnest. This is this is still before World War One. Mm -hmm. um, in 1912, uh, Mildred Lewis Rutherford, um, who was a, a Georgia-born um, historian um, for the National UDC, um, she stated the, the group's views on Reconstruction, and she said, It is true he, um, the, the emphasis here is a white man who she's talking about, had to fight his way with shackled hands during the awful Reconstruction period, but wise men of the North understand why it was why it was a necessity then. He um, he were compelled to establish the political supremacy of the white man in the South. So too the Ku Klux Klan was a necessity at that time, and there can come no reproach to the men of the South for resorting to that expedient. Um. So are they saying the KKK was the last option. And at is that the what they're saying? Yes, and at 1912 convention, Rutherford, Rutherford said, the Ku Klux Klan was an absolute necessity in the South at this time. Um, this order was not composed of the riffraff, as has been represented in history, but of the very flower of Southern manhood. The chivalry of the South demanded protection for the women and children of the South. Hmm. Um, so, uh, would you say like how people would view... Um, the the Ku Klux Klan at this time and in the South that they were considered like knights, like like this is like like when people talk about them like the emphasis they give sort of this romantic idea that these people were like they were vigilantes but they were like noble vigilantes that they were that that this goes back to something that like conservatives and people on the far right beat off to all the time is this sort of idea of hard men having to do like hard things and it's the same reason why people like idolize like the Wehrmacht because they have this idea of this sort of like this brave soldier stoically fighting against you know these hordes of in the case of the the Wehrmacht it's it's communists that they're like that they're fighting off this Slavic horde of like degenerate like communists and with them and within the South it's sort of the same idea with the Ku Klux Klan um, for much of the South's history as they view them as although they are a terrorist organization you know that they're like noble terrorists. That's the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard in my goddamn life. Um, and, in, and in 1913, at the annual convention, the UDC unanimously endorses um, a book called The Ku Klux Klan or the Invisible Empire, which is a book written by a UDC historian, Laura Barton Rose, um, and was then president of the Mississippi Division of the UDC. Um, and so this is, in, in 1913, sort of like the height of the, the statue installation um, period of the UDC, 
um, and, and sort of their like pushing of textbooks. Okay. And this book was made supplementary reading um, for most Southern school children. When you say school children, are we talking like elementary school, middle school, high school? Uh, probably middle and high school. I, I don't know what the level of, of this book is, but I'm assuming it's that level. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about back in the day for the South, it's probably fucking real basic. Sorry. <laughs> so, but but Rose's, uh, Rose's plan or, or her hope was that the book would inspire um, Southern boys to commit acts of violence against African-American men who she believed were a threat to the virtue of white women. I'm sorry, excuse me? That she wants that she wrote this book because she wants white men to attack no, no, no. African I mean, Americans. I, I, mean, yes. I heard you. I'm just I'm just incredulous. I'm just <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and it it it's strongly believed that this book influenced the second founding of the Klan, which happened in 1915. Um, because at the time of the book's publication, when there there's the the UDC is promoting the Klan, the Klan is virtually non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, and in or it's like a um, shell it, of what it once was. It's not still, you know, running around doing the same clan shit. Well, I would I would say that it was probably still extant, but it wasn't like it was sort of like, you know, how it, the IRA has a lot of like offshoot organizations, like mm-hmm. the real IRA and like the the provisional IRA and like all these the other really like real IRA. offshoot organizations. Well, okay, so, so those are just I, evolutions. Those are just evolutions well, IRA. of the same well, organization though. Well, they're sort of like breakoffs of the main group. Because the original organization doesn't really like exist anymore. Yeah, my I mean. my argument like there is sort of saying is that these these are sort of like offshoot organizations where they're mm-hmm. like we should get this going. And there were other regional organizations that were like the Klan throughout the United States, mm-hmm. um, but the Ku Klux Klan as a national organization did not exist at this time. Okay. Um, so and, and the book also is believed to have helped influence uh, the passing of Jim Crow laws in the South, because even though this is a book that they're having like school children read, um, it's sort of in the same way that you know if you're in school you have to read like Ernest Hemingway and stuff like that. Like just because school children are being given it in like high school doesn't mean that adults aren't reading it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and in 1915, um, Mildred Lewis Rutherford, um, she viewed. Um, she viewed the Klan as a counterpart to the federal agency that helped enslaved people during the, the Civil War. Um, and she she spoke in 1915 at the National Convention in San Francisco. Um, she said, and also to their UDC chapters all over the United States, not just in the South. What? Um, How does that make so, any goddamn sense? Uh, because never mind. Just, because just, yeah, just people move. <laughs> um, so um, she said, uh, quote unquote, the North said the Freedmen's Bureau was necessary to protect the Negro. The South said that the Ku Klux Klan was necessary to protect the white woman. Um, Shell said, quote unquote, the trouble arose from interference on the part of the scallywags and carpetbaggers in our midst, and they were ones to be dealt with first to keep the Negroes in their rightful place. So uh, a carpetbagger, a scallywag, is um, a, a scallywag is a Southerner who, who sort of supported Reconstruction, and a carpetbagger is a northerner who came down to the south in order to help rebuild the south can we please bring back these terms like those are such cool fucking carpetbagger <laughs> you fucking scallywagger you should you should just call people that and see how they respond they'd probably look at you like you had three heads have you called someone a scallywag um yeah they'd be like what <laughs> so in in 1915 but if you do it enough um, it becomes cons- ryan's thing sorry steve <laughs> I don't want I don't want that to be my thing. What? 
<laughs> say it, Ryan. Say I don't the thing. I want to be the one responsible for restarting Scallywag. Do it, it Bart. Does sound like a. <laughs> it's not a powerful insult. Say the it's word. Say the word, Bart. Say it. <laughs> Scallywag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. In 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 1915, um, construction had been um, sort of underway on the memorial at Stone Mountain, Georgia. Um, Stone oh, Mountain was God. at this time privately owned. Um, and that um, the mural that's there today is a carving of um, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, and Jefferson Davis on their horses. Um, it was supposed to be much bigger than that, but for a number of reasons, um, construction on it stalled. And the main designer on this monument was a guy named um, Gutson um, Borglum, who we'll talk about um, in, in a future episode because he is a a crazy individual that not a lot of people know about um but but he's actually like a big part of american history for for one big reason um what's his so, name again uh gutson uh borglum gutson borglum yeah don't worry google okay. google's gonna correct your spelling <laughs> and um he i can't spell it yet. and he was he was invited <laughs> um he was invited to um to, to sort of work on this because he's sort of a um a sculpturist and he's invited to come down and, and work on this. And that one one Georgia UDC member, um, Carolyn Plain, um, she requested that uh, Klansmen be represented on the marker because, um, quote-unquote, the Klan saved us from Negro domination and carpetbag rule. Get fucked. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Orgum himself was, was, the son of, uh, was the son of Dutch immigrants. Um, his father was actually briefly a, a polygamous Mormon, um, and that Borglum himself was a high-ranking member of the Ku Klux Klan. Why do I feel um, like Steve King and, is about to get tied into this? And, and, even, and, and even when <laughs> even when he was invited, knowing that he was like a member of the Klan. Um, Helen Plain, the the woman from the UTC who invited him and and had him stay with them, she said that she wouldn't shake his hand because he was from the north. So she'll shake his hand if he's a racist piece of shit from the Klan, but if he's a northerner, mm, nah. Yeah, she was. She wouldn't even though he was a even though he was a member of the Klan, she wouldn't like shake his hand. Um, so. Um, <sighs> God. Borglum did eventually agree to include a Ku Klux Klan um, altar in his plans. Um, it, in order to acknowledge her request, he wrote, um, she, she wrote to him, um, or he, she wrote to him, I feel it is due to the KKK that saved us from Negro domination and carpetbag rule that it be immortalized on Stone Mountain. Um, the, the monument itself was largely um, incomplete, the, the second founding of the Ku Klux Klan actually happened on Stone Mountain, which is outside um, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and you can visit it today. Uh, eventually what happens is that it was privately owned, um, but it was sold to the state. And the state canceled the lease because the, uh, the, the Ku Klux Klan had a uh, lease in, per in perpetuity to use Stone Mountain for their like ceremonies. I'm sorry. And the, and the state revoked it when they when they when they took over ownership of it you can visit today i've been to stone mountain um and there are um and, and still on the walk up you can see some carvings that look um somewhat like they're related to the clan um on the walk up to the top of the the rock it, it's a pretty big like like they call it a mountain 
Um, I, I, it's a very small mountain, but it is just like a massive like slab of rock that you can walk up and incline. It could be a lot more beautiful if like there wasn't just disgusting history well, and, we, and disgusting we need to, carvings attached to the place. Well, we need to get the uh, that that change dot work um, or I forget it was either through them or another petition to add outcast to the to the memorial. <laughs> um, International on the ground. <laughs> Can we add Outcast and Ludicrous? Like, please. <laughs> just says I replace all the South, hateful man. messages with just Cadillac grills. <laughs> but someone, someone made a mock-up of it, and it was just like, <laughs> it was just Big Boy and Andre, and like, oh, and like a convertible next to like Robert. <laughs> Andre three thousand kind of has that like you know uh, throwback haircut too, like you know. It's got the long. I, want, I want like okay, so for every racist statue across from that racist statue, I want a statue of like Andre three thousand, um, Ludacris. I always want <laughs> the whole dungeon family. That you want big the dungeon boy. family up there? God, I fucking that would be hilarious. Okay, Gucci, yeah, you get your Gucci Mane. Main. You want a statue, <laughs> Mister Main? Bitch, I might be Jermaine, du- Jermaine Dupree. Like I want statues they of have- these dudes around. They have to make sure they get the ice cream cone just right. <laughs> um, so, um, Stone Stone Mountain is is never really completed. Um, originally, they were going to have like Confederate soldiers on it, uh, but that and the altar are, are never completed because they they sort of run out of funding and they they also like get into infighting. Um, and, and it's mostly due to like clan infighting, uh, but Borgland will publicly in state, the clan, you know, in the clan fighting the clan. Yeah, like like member like like member like internal fights. fighting within the local like Ku Klux Klan and him, and he will eventually come out and publicly say, you know, that that's not true because I'm not a member of the clan. Um, but he's totally a member of the clan. <laughs> he he just he just said that publicly because after 1915. Um, that's when the clan is like refounded and they're like actively like lynching people and like firebombing like places and stuff. Um, so at that point, like publicly announcing, yeah, like, like publicly announcing your membership in the clan is, is not like smart, but they usually like hint at it. Like if you've seen, Oh brother, where art thou? Where like John Goodman's character, the Cyclops who is, you know, a clan member, mm-hmm. like at the one point at the end where he says like, well, I, I happen to be a member of like a certain secret organization. Um, that, that's essentially what they would do. Like the wink, nudge, nudge. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's something like all the, all the local like sheriffs and police officers would know anyways, because like most of them all were the probably members. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, of course they know he's in the clan. They saw him at the last meeting. Um, and if they weren't members, like they were, they were familiar enough with who the members were, and they didn't mess with them because they were all politically connected. Yeah. Oh, law enforcement was all part of the clan. Yeah, I feel you. Time for another one. Um. <laughs> so, and, and Borglum, like soon after this, he leaves and he begins um, construction of Mount Rushmore with his son Lincoln. Um. So a lot of people don't know this, but Mount Rushmore was was created by a member of the clan. What? No, I didn't know that. I don't have another truly to crack open right now. God damn it, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So let's knock that shit uh, down um, too. Who cares? Alright, cancel Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Mount Rushmore's um, canceled, boys. And in and in nineteen and in nineteen twenty six, um, a local uh, North Carolina chapter of the UDC um, funded a memorial to the Ku Klux Klan 
um, near Concord in North Carolina. The monument is now sort of like disappeared um, because it was a plaque on a boulder um, and, and sort of Charleston has sort of like subsumed this area. Um, so it sort of disappeared due to like time and them not like upkeeping the memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you can sort of see it. There was this um, historian that found it that there was a book produced by the UDC in 1941 that listed their, their memorials. And this Klan memorial is in it. Um, it states that it was a bronze plaque placed on a natural boulder 12 feet high and 15 feet wide beside Highway 15, four miles from Concord. Um, and the, the, the plaque on it said, in commemoration of the Ku Klux Klan during the Reconstruction period during the war between the states, this marker is placed on here on their assembly ground, erected by Dodson Ramsor Chapter of the United Dars of the Confederacy, 1926. So the Dars of the Confederacy basically gave the Ku Klux Klan a participation trophy on a rock. Yes, and um, well until... And until um, the the UDC would also, um, in, in their publication, their national publication, they would publish an article that talked positively about slavery. Until and as and as and as late as 1936, um, they would they would publish articles that lauded the role of the Ku Klux Klan. We need like a we need like the Price is Right sound effect. The burp, 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 no, you, you never heard of uh, there's a comedian Dana Gould, and uh, no, I I've heard the mistake. Oh, it's so good <laughs> that voice <laughs> mistake <laughs> mistake. Jesus, they, I'm um, so happy that you know they, what they that would, is. By the way, I know exactly. Uh, what that fantastic. Is. <laughs> I actually have the entire would, special as as an MP3. Sorry, Dana. <laughs> Um, they would they would gradually um sort of like publicly phase out um their support of the clan um but a number of chapters up until like um up until like the desegregation would also have sections of their like meeting houses that would have like a corner dedicated with like a shrine to the ku klux klan look i know i've said it before and i'm gonna say it again I feel like the idea of free speech in this country has been taken to an extreme that nobody envisioned it could ever be taken to. And no, they did. This shit needs to be real to fucking. No, they know. I feel like I they mean, knew, Thomas dude. Jefferson like, knew. Thomas Jefferson absolutely knew, but I mean, we're like, talking about it free speech. earlier today about how I guess New Jersey is banning um, white supremacist organizations or Newark is, and uh, mm-hmm. just like one city. And it's a, it's because kind of a dangerous, the Supreme Court, it's kind of a dangerous thing though. Say, it's a dangerous yeah, thing. The Supreme Court's going to say, no, it's okay because it's exercising your free right to speech and assembly is what it is. And it's disgusting. The, the only rebuttal that I have to that is this entire episode is on the daughters of the Confederacy who right. have so well transformed their, we're fucking white supremacists who hate black people into a organization that donates money that, that, that donates hospital beds that give scholarships that does objectively good things yeah they've legitimized they, they've it entirely twisted their fucking thing so that from the outside looking in if we were to say hey look these people are terrible and somebody's uneducated is going to look at it and be like well they're doing all this good stuff right you know what i mean they've, they've they've basically manipulated the public image and what they actually do so you could effectively say any group does that you know what i mean and it and it's sort of one of those things too where 
they've sort of like reinvented themselves as time goes on. Like they still believe in a lot of the same things they do, but they're just saying that quietly in the other parts loudly. Like they're saying like when they, when they talk about like heritage, you have to remember that it's sort of like in that, that sort of like coach language when they're talking about heritage, they don't mean like, Oh, it's my heritage. You know, my ancestor fought for the Confederacy. So, you know, we have these, they mean my heritage as like a white person. Yeah. That, um, that when they, when they say heritage, they're like white supremacy. Right. It was, was it Nixon's um, guy who was doing the whole thing where he was like, you know, you got to use codified language. Basically white supremacy is boiled down to states rights, busing, heritage like that kind of stuff and it was like on recording is his name atwater or am i totally totally botching i think that one? i think atwater was the one because i believe he was the architect of the southern strategy so then yes it was him yeah atwater was like you know you can't say you know n-word 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 you gotta you gotta be slick about it you gotta say busing and states rights which is when people say it nowadays when you talk about you know the civil wars about states rights it's like you know exactly what you're saying this is on record a voice recording of the guy who 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 designed this entire um, way to talk about it without being outright yeah racist. he was and it and it wasn't with nixon it was with ronald reagan it was reagan okay okay I could have swore that was a Nixon thing back in like the '60s that when they were like, "Oh, you can't say you know N word, N word, N word." Like this I is, thought Atwater was a Nixon thing, but okay. Well, this is Reagan. no. His, it was in nineteen. Uh, it was in nineteen eighty one, and he like was he he went into it and he says in this in the tape conversation his exact quote is, "You all don't quote me on this. You start out in nineteen fifty four by saying N word, N word, N word." By 1968, you can't say N-word. That hurts you. He's not saying N-word, by the way. Oh, no, um, he's saying it, the it, hard R. For everybody yeah, listening, it, he's it, saying hard R. He's a piece of shit. It, it backfires. So you say stuff like forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. You're getting you're getting so abstract now that you're talking about cutting taxes, and all these things you're talking about are totally economic things, and a byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites. And subconsciously, maybe that is part of it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, that we are doing away with the racial problem one way or the other, you follow me, because obviously sitting around saying we want to cut this is much more abstract than even the busing thing, and a hell of a lot more abstract than N-word, N-word. So any way you look at it, race is coming, uh, race is coming on the backbone. Mm-hmm. God damn it. So he's it's, just essentially saying that we're just we're, – it's all the same. We're just being abstract about it. Yeah, we're going to use code words so that nobody can directly say, hey, you're being racist We could because we can just fall back on – no. And, like we're just – you see what we said. And and just to, just to give you an example of like how high up he was in these like administrations is that Lee Atwater was the guy that played electric guitar with um, George H.W. Bush at his inauguration. Is Lee Atwater dead? Did he die? Yeah, he died in um, he he died in 1991. Where is he buried? S- I'm just saying, I gotta uh, pee real space. bad. So. I'm just- <laughs> I think space. <laughs> I think he's out in space. He, he should have un- been launched. Un- unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly, though, he did die of a brain tumor. So. I that sounds about God. right. It's, it's all brain worms. It's all reverse this back to man, brain worms. These people. He's, he was buried in Columbia, South Carolina, but this man's memorial service was held at the Washington National Cathedral. <sighs> Why does somebody that disgusting get any kind of celebration? Oh, fuck. 
It's so gross. It's so gross. Why? Why that man would get any kind of like funeral that's attended by more than his immediate family? And when I say immediate, I mean like mother, father, kids, wife. Like nobody else should honor that man. According to you, you know what I mean. Well, according to all of us, but according to you, I'm about to say you know? what? <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm on board for you, all this. Do you disagree? I don't disagree at all. Well, I just, it, you know, my my thing with again, I said I like I try to keep objective about history until it proves me wrong. So like, you know, I I'm 100 on your guys' side with all these topics. But well, well, the thing about the thing about Atwater that is so disgusting is that Atwater like publicly like tried to pretend you know he was like pro black, right, right, which is even worse. Which is clearly false, based on his Where voice on like, tape. He's like, I, I play music. I love, I love black people. I listen to all these like. He turns on his NWA record. He lo- like he's like I love James Brown. How can I be racist? <laughs> he he's essentially he's essentially like the dad from Get Out. I've never se- I I, I feel bad now, but like, I've never seen. I just never got around to watching. He's just it. like I. Well, the dad, the dad in like Get Out is like one of those like, like the way I've heard it joked about before, like in Chapo, is like like the Michael Rappaport guys who uh. are like, it's like let's let's talk about like the five the four pillars of hip hop or whatever. Uh. And he was like turntable in like just he's like one of those types where he's just like I'm cool I'm hip I'm with it uh. like like I, I love black people and then then he's like he's like we need to arm ourselves. Well, I, not 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 to spoil. Well, I guess I can spoil the movie for you, but it, he he belongs to a secret organization that that sort of like um, takes the brains of like wealthy old white people and then puts them inside the bodies of like younger healthy black oh people. Oh my god! Ah, <laughs> uh. and and like the whole the whole premise of the movie is that his his white girlfriend is only like dating him to like so they can like use his body and like he has to like escape from this this house before they like put um riptorn's like brain riptorn uh, i think it was riptorn <laughs> no it wasn't riptorn it was the guy that plays um what's his face from office oh uh, steven root yeah it was steven root but yeah, it was, it was Stephen Root was the one that wanted his uh, that wanted his body because he was a photographer, and Stephen Root's character was like going blind, so he wanted he wanted his like his good eyes. Here's our entrance ramp over here. We're gonna get back on the uh, Daughters of the Confederate Highway. <laughs> <laughs> so oh like 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 one of the things it never got it never got constructed, but when early on when they were talking about like making a national highway. Like they wanted to name a uh, part of the highway um, the Abraham Lincoln Highway, and they forced them to change the name to Jefferson Davis Highway. Are you fucking that, kidding that, me? That ran through the South, but it was never like done. It was it was sort of like canceled. Good. God damn! Fuck off! How anybody could think that this is okay? These these treasonous secessionist assholes to think that they should. They should not have any power whatsoever, but again, they apparently can fuck the right people, so, you know. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate every bit of it. I just, God, my blood boils. Yeah, I hate to make the simplistic argument, but really, you know, a lot of it comes down to voting. Gotta vote right. 
you got to get out there. You have to explore who you're voting for. You have to know what their actual positions are on things. You can't just vote D, 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 because you think the R's are bad. You know what I mean? Like you, not to not to get too defeatist, but like I used to think the same thing, and then I was just like, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. That's anymore. that's like, a problem though. With voter suppression and with, I, I'm not I'm not like, discounting that those things are and shit like those that. things are real. I'm not discounting that, but you know, the and fact this that is somebody who just for the, the fact first that time, they uh, you know this year voted, I voted for the first time in my life this which year. Is you know, amazing, in yeah, thank God. But it's just like I've seen everything up to this point to my 33 years on this planet. I'm just like, we still have a laughable turnout every year. It's laughable. It's it's fucking disgusting. And you have so you can you talk know, about voter suppression and you can talk about election rigging and everything. But the fact of the matter but is, you also have Republicans who will crawl over broken glass to vote, we, pull that R lever. You have a lot of people that just don't go and are just apathetic about it. And it's just you know all those things are valid problems that need to be fixed. But one of the big ones that you know is in our control is to just keep telling people go do it. You know. So these people don't get any power, and they're just rambling idiots on the highway. I really wish that I could say that that's like a a thing that could ever potentially happen, but because due to the high percentage of ignorant assholes in this country, yeah. it'll never happen. Steve, you still there? Oh. Yeah, I was just listening. Do you have any hot takes on this? <laughs> Because our well, hot take is fuck racist, and you should. Well, I would say that, like, pissed, well, okay. well, Steve says that, like, you know, like, um, you you should look into who you're voting for. But when it's like a very clear case of like where we live, where the sort of the times we live in now, where it's either like a white supremacist or somebody you don't like, like, you should probably vote for the someone you don't like because it's going to be much worse with the person who's openly like we should just be shooting people in the streets. <laughs> And here's the other thing too, and I made I made a point of this. Oh God, on Facebook of all places, fuck that place. But very like real racism in the year of our Lord 2020 here is not people just like Lee Atwater said. It's not like people outright calling you the N word. It's racist legislation. It's very quiet. It's sinister. It's the white it's, we're not going to give you home loans. You can't get good. Um, interest rates on your car loan, you know. It, you realize you that those are the holdovers, right? Like you know that like that stuff's been going on for a hundred years. You know. I know, but that, like that's what yeah. I mean. Like it's quiet. It's quiet racism. Yeah. That's the racism. Well, that Martin Luther exists. King so said he wasn't afraid those, of like, the Klan. He was afraid of the white moderate. You know. Yeah, but I mean, like you have those nutters who will stand on a street corner and you know drop the hard R and immediately get knocked the fuck out because I love those. Yeah, YouTube those gifts videos, should be replayed on those every. Those people are very minority. Yeah, like in between those in between at bats at major league baseball games, they should just play those gifts. <laughs> Look at that Nazi get punched! All right, <laughs> baseball. And the problem that we have is that a lot of people think Box that unless you present. are doing that and you're screaming at minorities how they're disgusting and they're scum and this and that, that that's what racism is. And it's very hard to get through to some people that racism is – that's not just what racism is. Racism is quiet. If you ask any sort of person of color, they'll tell you it's probably very few times that they've actually been directly attacked like that. It's always been that just – subverse you can't do this you can't do that it's no real reason other than your skin color you know what i mean on that note thank you for listening to the trilateral troika this week do you have anything to take us out on the daughters so there's uh yeah (laughs) so they're still around right 
Yeah, yeah, they're still around. And they still are they active in like they're not active in all fifty states. I'm assuming, they're, right? They they still get. Um, I'm sure there's chapters in like every state, but they they still get like millions. Like they're they don't pay taxes. They're 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 a tax exempt organization, and they get paid. Um, in Virginia, at least, they get paid um, millions of dollars every year to uh, take care of these Confederate uh, memorials. Now we were joking before we started recording, but Steve, did you did you know that they were like the tax exempt organization when you made that? Yes, joke I did. Yeah, no, I was Fuck. well aware that they're five hundred one c three. Yeah, they're they're tax exempt. Yeah, I mean they're yeah they're a uh, a uh, what's it called uh, anachronism. They shouldn't exist anymore. It's a completely no, ridiculous not. organization that 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 has been uh, completely written off by most modern uh, peoples. But um, to your point before, though, you know, there's still a lot of uh, you know, there's implicit bias, and then it, you know, there's also just flat out racism, and there's just all that other stuff, and it's a problem. And organizations like that continue to persist, and it's uh, it's a problem. Yeah. And, and sort of and sort of protect and uphold that yeah, bias. Yeah, and and that is that is definitely a problem, you know. All right, well, end it on a sovereign now, note. Now that we've totally uh, depressed everybody listening and ourselves, I'm gonna go drink more truly yeah. to try to lighten my fucking mood and my my sh- shrinking my waist. Check us out on Facebook if you want to laugh. You can look at our older episodes because this topic's just still not fucking funny and. Uh, with the shit that's going on in the world right now, we just thought we needed to address something. So. Check us out on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Facebook links, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find us later. Later. later.